wonderful time uh, from a church perspective. We do uh, a wonderful, um, uh, what we call a Christmas cantata musical. And uh, that's always uh, a wonderful thing. And this year, uh, Christmas happens to be on uh, Sunday. So that'll work out very well. Welcome back to another episode of the Health in the 34th podcast. This is the fourth episode of our podcast, and we are so excited that you are joining us once again. I'm Lacey Kennett, the Communications Director for the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. And I'm Marissa Alcantar, StoryBank Fellow for the Alliance. We are so excited about today's guest. Today's episode theme is When Faith Meets Action. We have a strong group of advocates around the state who work toward care expansion because of a moral and intrinsic duty to care for their friends and neighbors. If Kansas had cane care expansion, it would make insurance accessible to 150,000 Kansans who currently don't have any options for affordable health insurance. So just to be clear, when we talk about cane care expansion in today's podcast, we are talking about Medicaid expansion. We just use the term cane care expansion because we at the Alliance are working to help get that affordable coverage to Kansans. We're looking for a way for Kansas policymakers to enact a Kansas solution to cover these individuals. Exactly. As my work story banking for the Alliance, I see it every time I talk with someone in the coverage cap. Even when they're in good health, these folks who carry the burden of knowing that a single accident, injury, or illness would force them into bankruptcy. All too often, they have to go without preventative care or have to wait until an illness or injury gets worse before seeking treatment because of the high cost. Many of those in our story core have untreated chronic illnesses that threaten their ability to work or make it impossible to find work. And these are people we know and love and see every day. And our guest on today's episode has been such an important advocate for us. He really has made it his life's work to speak out and work for change for those who need it most. In many ways, uh, as I was, uh, you know, writing this intro, it feels very inadequate for me to introduce our guest today because there was so much in the bio that I could have put. And then it was like, well, I, you know, you kind of got to pick and choose. So uh, these few sentences don't seem like enough, but I'm going to go ahead and try. So today's guest is Reverend Dr. Bobby Love, the pastor of Second Baptist Church of Olathe for more than 30 years. He's also the Associate Dean and Professor of the Western Baptist Bible College Olathe Campus. He is a pastoral counselor along with his wife and established the Step With Love Ministry, which specifically aims to strengthen marriages and families with step-family relationships. Dr. Love was recently honored with the Mid-America Nazarene University's Martin Luther King Jr. Living Legacy Award, as well as the Olathe Community Leadership Award, and was recognized as one of Olathe's 150 most notable persons. Uh, he has served three different Kansas governors for the Kansas African American Affairs Commission and is on the executive national leadership team of the African American Leadership Commission. So, Dr. Love, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure for me to be here with you. And uh, thank you for the invite. Uh, really looking forward to our conversation on today. So, uh, Dr. Love, you grew up in liberal Kansas and have been the pastor at Second Baptist Church of Olathe for more than 30 years. Yeah. So you have a really strong Kansas roots here. Yeah. Can you tell us more of the story of how you became a pastor and what called you to ministry work? 
Oh, wow. Where do I start? Uh, first of all, I, I, I think the easy default uh, answer to give you is that it was divine providence. Uh, that would be real easy to get, do. But uh, as you indicated, I, I grew up in southwest Kansas, a place called Liberal. Uh, I'm the youngest of um, five siblings that, that I have, uh, all boys. And um, so typically, you know, you grow up with a Christian values, you, you know, you're taking the church and everything like that. And then, of course, you have your prodigal moments and then uh, you come back to your roots and um, growing up in the church, doing things for the church. It was just a calling. So um, I had a call on my life that they went through uh, uh, college life and so forth, uh, yielded to that yearning and uh, the rest is history. Uh, started out as a deacon uh, and, um, you know, Sunday school teacher, deacon, and uh, matriculated, as they say, through uh, other uh, uh, positions in the church. And voila, here I am. You have been so involved in your community and even in statewide advocacy, including things when, you know, when I was, I read some of your op-eds and things, uh, topics like criminal justice, equity mm -hmm. and reform, encouraging empathy and love and immigration issues, which I loved. Right. And of course, which is particularly of interest to us, expanding the state's Medicaid program to the low-wage Kansans who otherwise wouldn't have access to right. it. So tell us more about your advocacy work. How did you, you know, what, how did you get involved in advocating and what has been your experience over time? Well, I think the first uh, part of that, I'd have to really uh, attribute that to my uh, mother's upbringing. Um, um, you always want to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And uh, I think with Christian values, uh, um, good home training, and just to care for your fellow uh, brother and sister, that goes a long way. Uh, there's always somebody you're gonna encounter um, that's uh, not doing as well as you are. Uh, and you need to, uh, my mother would always take time to prepare meals so that when these individuals would come through the neighborhood, uh, she would always prepare meals. And I think what that did for me was to let me know that you can be kind to uh, strangers that you don't know. You can be a voice uh, for others who may not have a voice. And uh, you can always do something to make someone else's life a little bit better. into your work with More Squared. So yeah. as part of your work with More Squared, you are the Kansas Faith and Democracy Table Organizer. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, of course. Uh, as you know, um, More Squared is probably one of the most diverse um, uh, community organizing arms. Uh, we're part of the uh, Gamaliel uh, Network, uh, National Network. And uh, our, my congregation uh, was one of the founding congregations when we first started uh, 12, 15 years ago. Um, there's a need from my perspective as I look across Kansas to marry faith and democracy so that we can uh, uh, bring uh, clergy and also clergy of color together to articulate uh, some of the things that affect 
people in our pews. And um, I thought it would be a great idea to establish this table where I can bring pastors from across the state of Kansas to uh, dialogue and make an impact, especially dealing with uh, Medicaid expansion. So that's really an opportunity for the faith and the, the advocacy to come together. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to put it this way. If I can, uh, not to give you a sermon, but uh, that's what I do for a living, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, think of it this way. Uh, you know, there's a passage of scripture in uh, Genesis chapter four, the story of Cain and Abel. And in that, uh, the Lord asked a question of um, uh, Cain. He says, where is Abel, thy brother? And of course, um, uh, Cain says, well, I don't know. And um, am I my brother's keeper? And I think the answer of that is absolutely yes. We are our brother's and sister's keeper. We should be concerned, if you will, about the well-being of our neighbors. So that's kind of the driving force. And I'll give you a New Testament story, uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, the story which we all uh, grew up with, the Good Samaritan. Uh, when you look at the Good Samaritan story, it, it doesn't give a name to the individual who, who was on the Jericho Road, but something uh, uh, atrocious happened to him. And uh, the individuals who were in a position to help uh, didn't. So the scripture says that a priest came by, he, he looked and went the other way. The next category was a Levite. At least he did come closer and look, but he went the other way. But what I really like about in that story that uh, is demonstrated is that a Samaritan, this is a no-name person, uh, uh, he stopped, had compassion, uh, he did what he could do to heal the situation. In, in other words, that's a solution. And then he even put up um, uh, his own money to uh, help with the situation. And I think that right there uh, speaks a lot to us uh, here in the state of Kansas. Uh, number one, we are our brother and sister's keeper. And number two, it is incumbent upon us to have compassion upon those who are without to find solutions to help them. So that's that's kind of my driving point. I love that. I'm skipping ahead a little on our outline for this episode, but I heard you tell that story at our storyteller training. Yeah. And as someone who grew up with parables, I remember being in Sunday school and acting out the Good Samaritan and they yeah. the, the crown on one head and they have the priest and then they yeah. have the other, you know, yeah. and uh, it, uh, for me, that was a really impactful story that I heard you tell before. So I'm glad you told it here yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the Bible is replete. If, if, if we are people of faith, whatever our faith tradition is, we are to have compassion. You know, uh, Old Testament uh, prophets would always talk about how uh, uh, God has shown us what he requires of us. And what he requires of us is to uh, love mercy, to do justice. And then when we do that, we do it uh, in such a way that we walk humbly before our maker. And uh, I, I mean, it's replete with story after story, love ye one another. You know, if, if we love one another, 
uh, this will show that we are his disciples. And what greater love than any man has than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. So the question I, I, I think as I look at Medicaid expansion is in uh, and, and, and Kansas, if, if we say that we are uh, faith believers, then do we really love our neighbor? You know, and if we love our neighbor, that has a sense of accountability to it and a sense of responsibility to it. So let me do my part of having compassion and care. Do we really love one another? Do we really care and have compassion one for the other? I mean, y'all got me all excited. I mean, that's this is what I do on Sunday. So, uh, hey, uh, I'm passionate about uh, doing what I can do and I wanna encourage other people to do so. And for me, I I can totally feel that when we talk to you and, and yeah. I appreciate that. Um, what about, so in the, with the round table, I know you said you, you bring faith leaders together. Sure. So what do you see as the role of faith leaders? How can, how can they use their platform, um, for advocacy? Well, I, I think we, we are to do it is that um, uh, when we see something that is uh, out of order, when we see some things that's happening in our communities that's uh, having a disproportionate effect on people, then uh, I use my platform and I want to encourage others that that's what we should be speaking out uh, uh, in favor of or speaking out against those types of things. Something is happening that is causing people uh, to fall through the gap especially uh, with uh, our can care, especially uh, for the need of expanding uh, Medicaid. I think that's where uh, uh, I can use my platform to gather people together. Because many times uh, uh, these individuals sit in our pews and uh, we need to do everything we can to make a more just society, to make a more healthy society. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so Reverend Love, this next one is a little bit more on the storyteller training that we did back in August. Sure. Um, so as you know, every year the Alliance hosts a storyteller training yeah. where we bring our storytellers and people who fall into the coverage gap together and work with them to really develop their stories and learn how to talk uh, to talk about the need for cane care expansion with not only their fam families, friends, and neighbors, but also on how to use their story to um, affect policy change with their elected leaders and the media. So Dr. Love, you actually attended that storyteller training yeah. with us this year. Can you tell us a bit about your experience with that event? What was kind of your key takeaway from being a part of that group and talking with Kansans in the King Care Coverage Gap? I think to sit in one of those uh, training sessions and to hear the stories, uh, if you've got any ounce of humanity in you, it is very difficult to hear those stories and not um, uh, be affected by it. Uh, it is sad uh, to see all of the uh, ups and downs that people have to go through just to try to um, uh, make it, just to try to uh, get access. And I think if, if we're very transparent with that, uh, 
that should pull at every heartstring. And if you set in those settings, if you hear those stories, it, it makes you want to do everything you can to try to make sure that uh, everybody knows about this. So I walked away a little bit more knowledgeable. I walked away adding more fuel uh, to the fire of me getting involved in this. So I want to do my part. I, I think we really need this uh, in the state of Kansas. You know, when you look at it, look what all the good that it's going to do. You're going to have over 150,000 people uh, will uh, be benefited of this, not only directly, but uh, the types of jobs that can come. I mean, we've closed uh, several hospitals here in the state of Kansas. Mm -hmm. uh, now, from a church perspective, that may not, uh, you know, if it, that may not mean anything to people, but think about it this way. I'm a part of a district association that covers the state of Kansas in my denominational work. There are two churches within my district in the southern part of Kansas who closed two hospitals. We have members who utilized that hospital for their emergency needs and so forth. So when those closed down, there were individuals who now have to make a three hour or four hour track to get healthcare. Those who were attached perhaps uh, by job wise, those individuals no longer work. So if those individuals no longer work, it's a chain reaction uh, to the church. Maybe they were members of a church. They, they don't have the income now. They cannot be uh, uh, contributors. They can't take care of their families in the way that they were. They may not seek certain uh, health appointments. So it's a chain reaction and it really affects all of us. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people often came to you when they were in need and and say I, I don't know what to do and right. in, in your counseling of them and and yeah that, that's one of the hardest uh parts is when you see the need and there's not anything that you can do about it mm -hmm. you hear the stories and you rendered helpless and you know uh being a man of faith and I do believe in prayer but when you have someone who comes to you and you don't have the resources to, I mean, it, it's heart-wrenching. Prayer is always in order, but sometimes you have to do a little bit more than pray just right at the moment. You know, I'm mindful of another story. I told you I wouldn't give you sermons, but that's what we I We love do. it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, I mean, uh, in, in, in the New Testament, she went from doctor to doctor. She used all of her resources and she was at wit's end. And uh, it was Jesus who was coming by and she just reached out and touched the hem of his garment. I think we have to be uh, people of faith that, that push our elected officials and those and, and powers to look at this from a humanitarian, to look at this from a moral issue. It's easy if you have health care. It's easy if you're uh, in a certain income bracket and you don't have to worry about these things. But there's a lot of people that's just the sneeze away from total catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Recently, South Dakota 
just passed Medicaid expansion through a ballot initiative. And um, so that now leaves Kansas as one of, we were one of 12 and now we are one of 11 states that haven't. And I know that we have many supporters of this work who maybe feeling a little dejected, a little, you know, it's hard to keep up fighting for something and feel like you lose and lose and lose. Do you have words of encouragement? How how do you keep from feeling low in times like that? Well, well, here's the thing. I think each one reach one. So again, continue Mm -hmm. to do the storytelling that you're doing. That has an impact. But I think from my vantage point, until it happens to you, until it's in your congregation, until you personally know people who uh, fall through the gaps or whatever, we have to make that be alive. And I think if we collectively come together versus working in silos, if we collectively tell this story, I am convinced that if enough people get together and we share this is what is needed. The, our elected officials really work for us. A lot of times politicians want us to make them do their jobs so mm. that it doesn't become a, a political issue, so to speak. This is what my constituency desires of me to do. So let's tell them, let's show up. Uh, let's operate together versus in silos. It's not so much who gets credit, for, right. for doing it is just that there's a need and we need to supply a solution to that need. What'd you say at the beginning? Reach out? Each one, reach one. Each one, reach one. Yeah, yeah I love that. So T-shirt. each one of us can, can share a story and each one of us can hold hands. Each one of us can, can uh, show up to an action. Each one of us can do our part and uh, uh, be strategic about it, and we can uh, we can make the difference. We can make this happen. Uh, you know, when I look at that again, think about it. The Good Samaritan. He didn't ask any questions. He got in and did what he could do. That was a solution. And then he put the individual up. And I'd like to use it by contemporary times. You know, he 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 picked the person up and took them at the uh, local Holiday Inn and said, hey, I'm going to pay the tab. And I put this on my credit card. And, you know, I've got to go on a business trip when I come back. If there's anything else that's due, uh, put it to my charge. So that's how we got to look at this. We've got Kansans in this state that that's suffering and we need to be able to come and to their aid with a solution. And the solution is um, uh, let us give them access. And, and if they're healthier, we are healthy as a state. But right now, if people fall to the cracks, um, there's a lot of uh, devastation that happens on a family basis, a community basis, but I'd like to see where all ships rise up together. I love that. I love that yeah. you said he he didn't ask any questions. He just yeah. acted and did it, and that's yeah. it's really motivating for me too. Keep keep doing the good work. <laughs> I echo that, Lacey. I you know 
in, in this work, it can get very, it can be very daunting. And, you know, I think hearing, hearing what you said, Dr. Love is really kind of helpful for me. And I'm a very positive person, very optimistic. And even He's very I optimistic. Little, yeah. Yes. <laughs> even I get a little, a little beaten down after a while. I have another question for you. It is a pretty big one, a pretty loaded one, but I do want to kind of get your thoughts. So the Alliance's primary policy goal is, of course, can care expansion. Right. We also have other related policy issues that we work on from day to day. So one of those is actually advocating for and working toward a culturally competent workforce in regards mm -hmm. to health insurance, accessibility, and enrollment. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has worked on the Kansas African American Affairs Commission for multiple governors now, it seems that you have a really great deal of knowledge and experience for how important cultural competency is. So how can we as an organization and we as individuals improve our cultural competency to affect positive change in Kansas? And like I said, I know that's a really big question. Really but big I question. Well, well, one of the things, uh, <laughs> let me say, it, it, it was my distinct privilege and honor to uh, serve in those capacities to be selected by governor at that time. And so I've done my time on that and my hat's off to the uh, newest commissioners that we have that, that have taken up the mantle. One of the things that we have to do is to understand each other's culture. Uh, right now, we're living in a time where there is so much polarization. A lot of times the polarization comes where if there is one group pitted against the other group, that is what I call divide and conquer. But if I can understand a little bit more about someone else's culture and, and take away the stigmatism, because uh, right now in the atmosphere, if I could use that as a, as a term, there is so much divisiveness, there is so much fear, and that creates an atmosphere where we are very distrustful of one another. So to do it from a perspective of educating, working together, and then uh, we have to be able, uh, if we look at it, to have a quality workforce is going to take all of us to make Kansas what it can be. But if we continue to pit one group uh, against the other group or esteem one group above another group, we will uh, not prosper in the collective. I, I think if I learn more about someone else, it, it better helps me to communicate with that person. Do you have Absolutely. any tips for if if somebody is interested in say, you know, maybe they just say, you know, I don't, I don't know something about you know, this culture that's maybe big in my town. Um, do you have any suggestions? You just like show up oh, at uh, a service on this. Sunday? <laughs> I, 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 absolutely. Now, here's one thing that I would share with you. And, and we've heard it said in civil rights works uh, before is that, you know, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in our nation. Well, I would like to put a different spin on that and just give you a thumbnail uh, sketch where I'm going with this. The name of my church that I've been privileged to serve the last 33 years is Second Baptist Church of Olathe. Originally, we were called on our deeds, it's called First Baptist Church Colored. But because mm -hmm. our, our church started in 1868, wow. okay. but because there was a First Baptist Church, we had to take on Second. Now, Here's the thing, uh, if, 
if you want to learn a little bit more, even in our, our religious beliefs, go visit a church and, and see what those differences are in worship style, in music. I can guarantee you, if you come to Second Baptist, you, you're going to be moved spiritually, emotionally. And I like to say that I believe Second Baptist Olathe is the best church this side of heaven. Oh, I, I love, love it. <laughs> But, but when we do that, we get a little bit different uh, perspective. Um, you know, we don't, we, we don't own the rights of exclusivity on heaven at Second Baptist. Somebody else, but there's a little bit of, of God there. There's a little bit perhaps where you worship. But if we can understand that we are more alike than we are different, Mm -hmm. The world will be better. I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. And, and that's what I think. I go back to that Good Samaritan story. The, the only identifier that you have in that story is position, priest, a Levite. You said a certain man, and then you had a Samaritan. That is the only qualifier to know what race of people who came to the aid. So when we put everything else, what he responded to, there was suffering. There was a need, and within me, if I can find a solution to help remedy that, then I yield myself, I give myself to that cause. That's all we're talking about here. People need this, and we have to be able to see ourselves in a way. What can we do to help other individuals have access? And that's what that's all about. If we take the politics out and just say, this is something that is good, now, let me go talk to my politician, my, my elected official, and this is what I believe, and we can get it changed. That's really good. Great. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. we just have to convince everybody else of that, too. We um, just yeah. need you to talk to them. Well, well, you know, people always say that, well, the church shouldn't get into politics. And here's another little deal I like to say, but the good Lord gave us air to breathe for free, but it is your tax dollars that dictate what goes into the air that we breathe. Absolutely. So I ought to have, so if it's my tax dollars, I ought to have some say on how we expend them. And I think we should expend spend, uh, this stuff so that we can uh, get health care for people. I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. I like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to be thinking about a lot of what we talked about. Well, Dr. Love, we have, we kind of usually end our chat with all of our guests with the same question, okay. um, which I know I'm pretty sure that you have, you know, we've talked about this before, but the beginning of the year, a statewide survey showed that 78% or nearly eight out of every 10 Kansans support expanding can care. So Dr. Love, we have to ask you, why are you one of the eight in 10 who supports expansion? Because my faith demands that I'm my brother and my sister's keeper. Well, Dr. Love, I want to thank you so much. We are so glad that our listeners are getting a chance to experience the work that you are doing on behalf of all Kansans. Well, thank you. I, it has been my uh, esteemed honor to uh, be here and uh, happy holidays to you. And uh, may God bless and keep you. As 2022 starts to wind down, the Health in the 34th podcast will take a short hiatus for the holiday season. 
we hope you have a great season this will be our last episode until january when we'll be back and gearing up for the 2023 legislative session if you haven't already please be sure to subscribe to this feed to get all of our episodes We'd also love it if you would give us a review and share our podcast with your social networks to help others find us. And let us know if you have any questions or topics that you want covered. We'd love to hear from you at info at expandcancare.com. And as you're scrolling, be sure to give us a like or follow on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also sign up to receive email updates about CanCare expansion on our website. It's going to be really important as we dive into the new legislative session. So expandcancare.com is where you want to go. You can also find upcoming events and information on our Healthy Kansas advocacy community there. Have a great holiday season and we'll see you again next month. Thank you so much for joining us today. Health in the 34th is a podcast from the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe and share our podcast with others. Episodes written, recorded, and edited by Marissa Alcantar and Lacey Kennett. Episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join the movement and get involved on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To find out more about the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas, visit us at expandcancare.com. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>